Welcome to Alessia's Divine Comedy, a journey through Dante's masterpiece, a read-along podcast hosted by me, Alessia Cesana Harris. This is episode 97, Paradiso, canto trentesimo, the seventh day, late evening. This canto marks the entrance into the final part of the poem, that two travellers ascend to the Empireo. Although that's a limited way to put it, since our concepts of space and time have stopped applying. The canto opens still in the previous sphere, with the disappearance of the angels and Beatrice's growing beauty. It's such that Dante has to admit his inadequacy as a poet, because he has no words to describe her, and what he said about how she looked on the day they first met was wrong, because that version of Beatrice pales in comparison to her as a blessed. It is as is lost in these thoughts that they ascend, and of course, one can see the growing proximity to God as the cause behind a growing beauty. The Empireo is pure light, full of intelligence, love, goodness and joy, and it's where Dante will see the triumph of the angels and the blessed who will be reunited with their bodies on Judgment Day. As such, in order to prepare people for the vision of God, he welcomes newcomers with a blinding light as if they were hit by lightning. And Beatrice has barely finished her explanation when Dante realizes he now has a higher visual faculty than he did before. His natural eyes are able to see any light, no matter how intense, and he sees a light that goes like a river that flows between two sides full of flowers and sparks jumps out of the river and get close to the flowers like rubies uh, in gold jewels. And of course Dante has questions, and we are told that he sees things that way because he still lacks some of the powers to see the reality of things, and the images of the angels and blessed appear to him. The more he looks at this prefiguration, the more it changes, until eventually he sees the pure rose of the blessed. Here the laws of nature have no value, and it's all a triumphal light, which reflects on the surface of the primo mobile, which takes his movements and light as it passes downwards from the rose. The final few verses of the canto deal with the prophecy of the salvation of Henry VII of Luxembourg, who will be going to fit Italy, but alas, Italy will not be ready to be fit. At the time he will be going, there will be a Pope on the Sea of St. Peter that will make his mission fail because of his ambiguity in the way he deals with him. This is Pope Clement V, whom we saw mentioned as a future downed Pope all the way back in episode 19. Now, this canto obviously focuses on the theme of light, with the verb seeing recurring over and over, including in the second word rhyme of the whole poem in verses 95 to 99. Apparently, this rhetorical device appeared before with the name of Christ. She's probably a deliberate parallel. We see once again the Pauline theme come up, in the way in which Dante's eyes were opened this time. Even though he had no long period of blindness that needed the laying of hands to heal, the parallel with the way to Damascus is quite obvious. This is, as far as I can tell, the only biblical echo in the canto. The rest of the language uses a mixture of images around splendour and some more common like the one about the baby seeking his breakfast, which can be seen as a metaphor for the spiritual nourishment that derives from these surroundings. The idea of the rose was not Dante's own invention, but a common image at the time in mystical literature. Nowadays, we associate it strictly to Mary, and we have lost some of this broader meaning of it, which has to do with the idea of the perfume as an offering of worship to God. 
So you can see the logic in the parallel here with the heavenly Jerusalem and then the city with Mary and so on. Beatrice's invective against greedy men comes almost as a shocking change of tone in the original. I don't know about the English translation, but it makes for a powerful contrast that is indicative of just how impossible to compare it is what we get in heaven compared to the small things that we seek on earth that make our life eventually miserable. My apologies, I might have to cut this canto slightly short because my voice is threatening to go. Anyway, one thing that I don't really see in commentaries is the implicit idea that the prophesied hero cannot be a man because even a greatly moral man cannot control others as shown by the example of the emperor here. Everyone is trying to get the various prophecies to show us a historical figure rather than the second coming of Jesus or, if you remember, my hypothesis that it couldn't be not Jesus but still not a human, in that case in Michael the Archangel. I don't remember in which episode it was but when I laid down this theory, but I remember doing it. Especially because I have a fake stained glass window and Michael crushing Satan staring at me, so it's hard to forget. The theme of the lowly interests of the earth is here to stay, as it has been all along anyway. And I guess it makes sense, as the next three canti will be leading us properly to the vision of God, providing even more contrast than what we have seen so far. It would be easy to succumb to the temptation of universalizing the lessons in Dante's journey. After all, there is plenty that has universal appeal, and that's why we keep reading this poem. And the reality is, yes, that's true, but this work was strongly contextualized and I think it's significant that we see this theme of the church venturing in temporal affairs and making good government harder to achieve, instead of easier, as you would think from a moral source, the final political discussion before the beatific vision. I know I'm making some sense since when I was taking my notes I was basically falling asleep sitting down, and also that I would not, I would not be either as exhausted tomorrow so that I can actually make sense of it, when I get down to reading the 31st canto, and that my voice will not actually disappear until we meet again, so to speak. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Alessia's Divine Comedy, A Journey Through Dante's Masterpiece. Thank you also to Alexander Nakarada for the music, which is fun for 10 or adds if it was not meant as a Roman numeral, and is available in the public domain. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alessia underscore Sheik or on my blog www.sheikandcatholic.com.